Come on, who's excited to be here tonight? I love that. Every time at the end of that, I'm like, view his family. Love it. It's hot. Scotty turned it up louder than they did last week. I could feel it in the backstage. I was like, I love that, man. I'm excited. Well, welcome, man. We're happy you're here. And you came on a good night because we're talking about relationships. Uh-huh. Boyfriends of that Christian girl is like, dang, I shouldn't have come tonight. Oops. You're right. She's going to break up with you when y'all leave. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so if this is your first time, you're like, what kind of church is this? Um, it's a cool one, I promise. <laughs> um, listen, uh, tonight we are going to kick off a brand new series. I just want to make sure I emphasize something really quick um, that I talked about earlier, and that's groups. You guys, this is fun. This is great. We have a lot of fun and a lot of exciting times that happen at service, but um, if we're being honest, the win for us is that you guys get connected into a small group. Like we, This is great. We love this. This is awesome. We get to come together about 13 times a semester and do this 100% okay, but where we really want to see you guys is actually plugged in. The reason why is here at City Hope, we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. We always say, circles are better than rows. The reason why is because that note, golly, that was that walk, right? We always say that because uh, we, we say circles are better than rows because when you're in relationship with somebody, you can see things and call things out in somebody that I can't see standing on the platform. I love being able to pastor from here, but being able to pastor from here side by side is how we were meant to do this Christian walk. So join a group. Stop by the square. We'd love to have you in a group. Um, So like I said, tonight we're kicking off a brand new series called Still Looking. And some of you guys, we can tell by your haircut, you still looking. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Everybody's checking in like you said, me. Um, Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, We're we're starting the series off because I believe that, that one of the most um, pivotal things that can happen to the life of any believer is a person that they choose to spend the rest of their life with. See, uh, most people don't understand, but spouses can be your floor or your ceiling. And I want to help you guys make sure that you are choosing ceilings, not floors, okay? So it, it's not one of those series is that you're going to get super convicted and then break up with the person who you're dating because you know they're not right for you just kidding. It may be that series for you. And, and I highly advocate that, you know, breakups are good. Amen. Uh, because you can't get to the one you're supposed to be with until you break up with the one that you're with. Um, so I, I, I know that this is not like kosher, but I highly advocate breaking up with your current boyfriend or girlfriend. That's scriptural. I'm just kidding. Somebody's like, Oh my God. I'm like checking their Snapchat thinking it's going to happen like now. No, I'm just totally kidding. Honestly, what we want to do tonight is begin to open up an idea of what does it mean biblically to date somebody, and also what does it mean biblically to look, or should we be looking, what does that process look like while we're looking? I was just seeing how many times I could say look in a sentence. It's like six. How many? uh, We're looking for who we're supposed to be with, who we're supposed to end up with. 
that's a totally okay question for you guys to be asking in this stage of your life. And I believe this series is going to help shine light on some of the things and make it make sense. So if you've got your paper Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 4. And while you're turning, say, I brought my word. Come on. If you didn't bring your Bible, say, Lord, have mercy. Uh, I'm just kidding. I like to shame people who don't bring their Bibles because I think it's funny. <laughs> and, and I love, even more than that, I love to shame people that brought a phone and thought it was their Bible because that's not right either because Bibles don't run out of batteries, okay? It's powered by the Word. You can't run out of battery. So if you brought your phone, you're with the rest of them. Totally kidding. I love you guys. I'm glad you're here either way. If you don't have your Bibles, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's just a joke we always tell. But we will have it on the screen. The reason why is I want you to see this because it's a long story. There's a lot of scripture here. But I also want you to get in the habit of seeing and reading the Word of God. It's important. It's important. So we're in John chapter 4. Let's go to verse 7. We're in verse 7. It's a familiar story that we're going to be talking about. And it's the woman of Samaria. The woman of Samaria. And uh, so I, I've heard this passage preached so many times. This may be my, my first time hearing it preached about a relationship, from a relationship series, but I'm excited because I think this passage of scripture speaks a lot to where we are in culture. Give me a second. Y'all hold on one second. I need to drink some water because this passage is long. Hold on one second. Y'all hold on. One second. Okay, I'm good. I have a lisp when I don't have water, so it's just one of those things. Um, <laughs> verse seven, this is what it says. Then Jesus um, came to a woman, or sorry, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman asked him, how is it that you being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're no greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank it himself and his sons and all his cattle. And Jesus answered to her and said, check this out. This is, imper this is important. Everyone who drinks of this water they're talking about the water at the well, is going, to drink, is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way down here to draw. He said to her, Go. Call your husband. This is where the story takes a strange turn because most people are like, okay, why is he talking about a husband? We were just talking about water. How did you change that fast? But if you keep up with the times, you understand that she just said she was thirsty. Mm -hmm. So he had to talk about a man real quick, okay? This is what he said. Go call your husband and come here. Then the woman answered and said, I'm thirsty. Oh, no, she did She said, I, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have said correctly, I have no husbands. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you're with now is not your husband. This 
you have said truly. This you have said truly. I know there was a lot there to understand and pick apart, but what I want you to focus on really quick, I love reading stories in the Bible because I, I just love seeing what Jesus does and how he acted in action. But I want you to pick up something really quick. Uh, I want you to notice the turn where Jesus went from talking about the physical quickly to talking about the spiritual. So he said, for one second, he said, give me a drink of water. And she was like, okay, we're talking about a well. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, living water. And she's like, time out? What? He's like, living water. And she's like, okay, you just switched subjects on me really quick. What exactly are we talking about? I want you to pay attention to that. The reason why is because I want you to understand the correlation between things that happen in the physical and things that happen in the spiritual. And tonight, we're not just going to be talking about the thirst that she was talking about when she said, draw me a well. We're, gonna, we're not just talking about a, a physical thirst. I want to talk tonight, even though we're talking about relationships, about a spiritual thirst, what it means to be spiritually thirsty. And I just think thirsty is a funny word. Like, <laughs> when people be like, she thirsty? I just laugh. I don't know. I know I'm a pastor. I shouldn't laugh. But if anybody gets called thirsty, I'm laughing every single time, okay? It's just going to happen. So tonight, if you're taking notes, just, just title tonight, Still Looking, Week One. No title, Still Looking, Week One. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you um, for everything that you've done for us. But God, we just want to thank you right now in this moment for what you're going to do. We understand that life change happens when we are in your presence. And tonight, God, we are in your presence. We humble ourselves and we prepare ourselves for the word that you want to speak words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Jesus, we love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So here's the thing. Um, I'm married. I got married about a year and a half ago. Um, thank you. Uh, and I'm just going to be straightforward with you. We have an incredibly diverse room and I love it. I, even, I see everybody from white, black, Asian, Mexicans. I'm going to be real with you. Um, being, first of all, my wife is white. Um, so being in an interracial relationship, I got to let you know, I learned a lot real quick, okay? I learned that white girls smell like shampoo like all the time. It's just a thing. And I also learned that, that when you're married to somebody, um, and, and I don't know, this may happen. I've never been married to a black chick before, just a white chick. Um, but hair is always in your beard, right? Hair is always in your hair. Hair is always in your clothes. Like, you can't, hair is always in your truck. Okay, we're going to fix that though, baby, please. But I just learned a lot of things um, while, while being in this relationship outside of just the normal, like, oh, hey, uh, you got to be selfless and these normal marriage stuff. But I learned some stuff that only interracial couples will learn. And one of them I learned uh, growing up, my whole family was black. My wife's white, so it's interesting. But growing up, I didn't have this when I was a kid. Gro now I realize something. I realized something. Growing up, I didn't have it. But for some reason, white girls are obsessed with essential oils. And, and I, never, I never knew that until I was married. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, okay, it was just interesting to me because I didn't know that that was a thing. Like, my mama never, like, diffused oils in the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know what doTERRA or Young Living was. You know? Like, it was just something I had to learn marrying my wife is that essential oils will become a part of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, baby, I don't I have a headache. Rub some peppermint on it. Or just reach in the cabinet, grab me some ibuprofen, call us a day. No. Open, uh, open your mouth. I'm going to put some oregano under your tongue, okay? 
she gets real angry when she's talking about essential oils because she she believes it works. And I, I, I always used to call them phonies. But for some reason, my wife is just really in love with essential. Before we go to sleep, she like rubs lavender in the middle of my feet. She's like, it'll relax you, okay? Uh, so, so it's just, I'm, I mean, I learned a lot. I'm open to stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a closed-minded person. So I just open myself. You say, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to try this essential oil life, okay? And hide it from all my black brothers, but it's okay, you know? I'm going to try I'm gonna try it, you know what I'm saying? Who, who can argue with a little bit of patchouli, you know what I'm saying? I, I love it. Um, anyway, so, so one day I remember we had been married for a little bit, and I got, I got super sick. I, got, I caught a cold um, real bad, and uh, of course I'm like, baby, some Dayquil would be nice, and some OJ, vitamin C, I'm ready to go. She's like, no. I made you a rollerball. It's like, what, what does that have to do with being sick? Give me some medicine. She was like, no, I made you a rollerball with mint and with lavender and with uh, stress relief or, or something. She said, just put a couple drops in the shower and it'll diffuse up and you'll be better in like a day. This is essential oils. They work. Young living. They don't cause something young living unless it works. And I said, you know what? Okay, I'll, baby, I'll try it. You know what? I'll try anything twice, right? So I said, okay, give me the roller bottle. So uh, the first night I go to take a shower, I'm sick. My nose is all stopped up. And um, I drop a couple drops in the shower. I'm taking a shower. Boom, I start smelling this stuff. I'm like, okay, okay. It's almost like Vicks Vapor Rub, you know what I'm saying? It's the natural Vicks Vapor Rub. And it's like clearing my, my nostrils and my sinuses are clear. And I walk out of the shower and I'm like, mm, that felt great. But by the time I lay down my head, I'm already congested again. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is, isn't working like it's supposed to work. Uh, so anyway, the next day, she made me a whole roller bottle. The next day, I go to take a shower the next morning or something, and I, I, I dump out like six or seven drops, right? And I was like, okay, maybe this will work. Boom. As soon as it hit the vapors, it was like, I can breathe again. Everything is great. I'm starting to tweet about Young Living. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, like at this point, you know what I'm saying? I'm starting to grow blonde hair and love doTERRA. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm starting to be like, Essential oils is best market man. You know, like I love it. But by the third day, uh, I had already started to be congested again. So I was like, you know what? Forget it. So I just opened the bottle and was like, maybe I need a little bit more. So I just dumped the whole thing down the drain. About 10 minutes. Okay, here's the thing though. I didn't grow up with this. Y'all stop like judging me. We didn't know. Black folks, we don't know, Okay. We didn't know how to, anyway, so I dumped it, and, and in, within like five minutes, my wife came running, why can I smell that? And I was like, baby, I used it kind of like you told me. No, I told you to put like two drops. And I was like, oh, and I just, all I did was I stuck the bottle outside the shower. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, it wasn't working. <laughs> So I have to maximize its potential. Let's use all of it. Um, of course, she flipped out, um, but not about what you think, because I will let you know how bad it affected my health later on. But she was mad. She's like, those are expensive. <laughs> I was like, what's the price of my health, baby? If it works, it works. <laughs> but after pouring the bottle, what used to be a solution quickly became a problem because I got lightheaded. Um, I started coughing and like sneezing. And, and it started hurting my throat really, really bad. And I was like, baby, this isn't, this isn't a help. This is, a, this is like a nerve gas agent. Like, what did you put 
in this roller bottle. And she was like, you shouldn't have been so dumb and using a whole bottle. <laughs> Most people are like, how is he going to tie Young Living and essential oils into a sermon? I'm going to show you real quick. No, but seriously, I, I think there's a principle in here, and, and I didn't think about it that day because I don't think about sermons when I'm in the shower. I use, it's usually days later. Um, but after it, I, I was just thinking, and, and this happens so often in my life because I'm the type of person who is hard-headed at times, and, and sometimes I don't use things for their right uses, and it always comes back to bite me. But what I realized in this situation, when I dumped the entire bottle of lavender, peppermint, and whatever else, the, the witchcraft I was in, the oils, um, I can't, what I realized suddenly is that a lot of times, something that was once a solution can quickly go from help to harm if we un- don't understand how, when, and why to use it. See, something that used to be able to, to provide aid and to provide help and, and to, to get us on the right track and to clear our, no- our nostrils and our sinuses, something that was used as an agent of change for good, if we don't use it right or when or how it's supposed to be used, a lot of times we go from help to harm. And see, that's what I believe has happened to relationships, especially in our culture. Especially in our culture. Here's why. You ask anybody, you ask anybody, hey man, why are you in a relationship? And this is the one you're going to get all the time. I'm in a relationship because so-and-so makes me happy. I'm ready to be happy again. I felt like I needed to be happy. I felt like it was time for me to be happy again, okay? Well, drugs make most people happy. You don't see them using them every day. You know, like... People are like, I'm in a relationship to be happy, or I'm in a relationship to be fulfilled, or I'm in a, you hear all of these different reasons of why people jump into relationships, and the truth is, a lot of the times when you jump into a relationship to one of those listed reasons, it turns out for harm rather than for help. So tonight, what I want to do is lay the foundation of this series called Still Looking, but what I have to do is show us as young people the why before the what. We always talk about that at City Hope. We say that there's a value uh, that, that our staff holds dear. We always talk about having the why before we have the what. Well, so many young people jump in relationships before they ever have the why. That's why I don't believe in dating in high school. It's not that you're too young. Or you just don't know why you're in a relationship. So if you don't know the why, there's no way you can know the how. So tonight, I want to pull apart that idea of, okay, Why? Why do I want to be in a relationship? Why do I feel like a relationship is vital to who I am and what it is that I'm living for? Why do I always feel like I need a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Why do I feel lame when I don't have somebody I'm texting or Snapchatting? Why do I feel like I got to talk, some, talk to somebody else when nobody else is blowing up my feed? Why, why do I got to feel like I got to go from boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend to the next boyfriend? What, what is this reason? And tonight we're going to dig into that. If we go back in the text, I love... I love what it says here. And I love, specifically, I love what Jesus says to her. Because in the text, he's going to talk about this why. He's going to talk about not just the why for relationships, but Jesus is going to talk about the why for your spirit. It's so much bigger of an idea he's pulling apart. But it goes so close in hand with relationships. I love what he says when she asks him, okay, where is this water? Give me a drink. Where is this water? Give me a drink. Why? So I'm not thirsty again. That's what she says. So I'm not thirsty again. So she's not thirsty again. You know what I'm saying? Okay. 
give me a drink. And Jesus said, no, you, you for real thirsty. You know, like, but he's talking about a spiritual thirst. And I love the way Jesus turns the ship here because for the entire time he's been talking about water, but quickly he changes the, the conversation to talk about spiritual thirst. How do I know this? Because when he talks about living water, she still hasn't made the connection yet. She still hasn't made the connection yet. So tonight, I want to make that connection uh, for us really quick. I looked up, um, I looked up the definition of thirst uh, in, in the regular dictionary, not urban dictionary. I looked up the, the definition of thirst, and this is what it said. It says, thirst is defined as the brain's response to an imbalance of fluid in the body. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, thirst is the brain's response. So when you're thirsty, what's happening is the body notices that there's an imbalance of fluids. And what happens is it sends a message up to the brain, hey, yo, I need some water. Boom, you're thirsty. That, that's what's happening. So what's, what, what I love about that definition is that thirst is not uh, the feeling. Thirst is not the, the original feeling. The original feeling is longing. The original feeling is desire. The, uh, the original feeling is being off balance. Thirst is simply the response. See, I believe that, that as, as, as believers or just as young people in general, we think that longing for another human being is the actual emotion. We think that longing for the human being is actually what we're really feeling. But the truth is the reason why you're longing is because there is an imbalance in your spirit. See, the truth is, I love that that definition is for physical thirst, but what I, I made up a little definition for spiritual thirst, and what's, what's supernatural, that's what I call a supernatural thirst, is the soul's response to an imbalance in the spirit. If you've not been at City Hope for a little while, this is how we classify how human beings are made. Uh, we, we believe that you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. All this, your spirit is dead until Jesus wakes it up and you're saved, born again, alive in him, and your soul is simply your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what's happening is, with that definition, is that supernatural thirst is simply your mind, your will, and your emotions response to an imbalance in your spirit. And the reason why lost people can never get marriage right is because their spirit is still dead. There's always going to be an imbalance in their spirit. So you're trying to jump into a relationship with, with a non-believer, and they're like, I'm not saved. And you're like, no worries. I'll make sure I get you saved. But the truth is, you can never get them saved. Why? Because their spirit is out of whack. Their spirit is imbalanced. You can't jump in and say, you know what? I'm going to quench that thirst for you in your spirit. There's an imbalance. But we think, we think that our initial emotion, we think our initial emotion is, I just want to be with them. It's not all, Jerry, you, you're making too much out of it. It's too complex. You're trying to pull all these spiritual, biblical principles. The truth is, man, when I, when I peel back all the layers, the truth is, man, I just want to be with them. I, I just love them. And that's what I hear all the time. People come into my office crying about relationships, and they're like, man, I just love so-and-so. I know that that doesn't make sense, and this doesn't make sense, but I just love them. I get tired of hearing, I just love them. I'm like, I just love them. Love something else. Love TV. You know, I don't know. I just, I'm, in, I'm in love. You don't understand. I know it doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to anybody. Ask your friends. You know, I'm, most of y'all are quiet because you're like, that's me. You know, the truth is, the truth is, you don't just love them. I hate to break your heart. You don't just love them. 
You don't just want to be with them. You can't stand to be with yourself. You don't, you don't just want to be in a relationship with this person because they make you happy and they complete you and they fulfill you. It's never been about them. So if you're in a relationship with somebody who shouldn't be in a relationship, understand that their relationship is not about you. It's about them. They don't care about you. They're trying to, they're trying to feel or scratch an itch that's on their side. But they, they make it out like they love you. They want to be with you. Here's the truth. Catch this. If we don't understand the why, we can never get the how in relationships to make sense. You've got to understand that this supernatural imbalance can never be fulfilled by another person. But here's the truth. Because, because this, is what, this is what happens. When we feel that thirst, because I know that this is the truth. I know that I believe that this is the truth. Every single human being was, was designed and developed with an innate longing to belong. Everybody wants to be accepted. Every, every person you meet, I don't care if you're an introvert, you're an extrovert, I don't care who you are. You are made with the innate sense to feel love. You want to feel loved. You want people to love you. You want to be accepted. You want to, brought, you want to be brought into the, to the friend group. You want to be brought into all of the. You want to feel loved and accepted, especially in a romantic relationship. This is a natural thing that we were made with. All humans have this. I believe that. I believe that. That's why that thirst is so strong. That's why that supernatural thirst sometimes feels overpowering. It's like you can't even control yourself jumping into a relationship because you just want it so bad. The truth is that I agree. That's, that's human nature. That's 100% truth. I believe that. But the trouble comes when we start trying to feel that need, when we, try to, when we start trying to feel that desire by any means necessary. Because what happens is we start dumping friend groups and jobs and cash money, and then all, all of a sudden a relationship, we start dumping it in that void that feels so bad for something that we don't understand that if we fill it with anything except Jesus Christ, it's never going to satisfy. But, but we fill it by any means necessary, right? We dump anything we can into it. And, and most people, especially our generation, because we know a lot because of Google, we, we, we understand that there's been 10,000 biographies of how money doesn't make people happy or, or how success never made somebody happy. No, but we don't, we don't mind to try, right? I don't mind to make a million dollars and then find out it didn't make me happy. You know what I'm saying? Um, we, we love to try out different things. Oh, well, this didn't work. This didn't work. And for some reason, when it comes to material things, for the most part, it's easy to tell ah, that's not working real well. Uh, uh, those drugs, that's not working real well. That, that, that party in life, I hit 32, I'm ready to get married and settle down. That, that didn't work real well. These things didn't work real well. The tough part is when it comes to a relationship. See, we don't understand that when we're chasing money, chasing dreams, or chasing success, that, that oftentimes we're trying to put the same stuff in, into the same hole that we do relationships. It's all in the same void. It's all in the same void. But see, we quickly understand what we're doing when it's material things. It's a little bit tougher, though, when it's another human being. And here's the truth that nobody at church is going to tell you. The only thing that's going to feel that longing, that desire to be loved and accepted, the only thing that's going to feel that, that desire, that, that heartfelt, innate, like draw, it's a magnetic draw to want to be loved, the only thing that's going to cure that is a relationship. 100%. 
The trouble is, when we fill it with another human being, it's temporary. That's why when you jump in a relationship, they call it the honeymoon stage. Why? Because humans were made in the image of God, but now we're trying to put them in the place of God. So if you're made in the image of God, you're somewhat like God. You, you kind of feel that, that spot for a second. You jump into that seat and you're like, oh, well, this is kind of cozy. And you're like, I feel this. And then, and then you're in this relationship and they're like, you know what? For, for a sense, in a sense, for a season, you complete me. Like, I'm feeling this relationship. What's going on? Like, I, I, every time I text her, and she texts me back, I have butterflies. You know what I'm saying? When she likes my, my, my pic on Insta from like eight weeks ago, I know she's really down. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is, but, but when she hit me back on Tinder, it was perfect. It was a match. Y'all laughing because you do it. But all these things happen, and, and for a moment, for a season, these people seem to fill this void. And the reason is biblical, because we were made in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. So it only makes sense that a relationship would feel good for a second. The trouble is when they show that they're human and they mess up. And you're like, wait a minute. It's not the same. Hang on. Did you catfish me? What just happened? This isn't the same person that I knew. But the truth is, after that happens, you say, you know what? Discard them. Go on to the next one. I'll try this next one. And you look up, and you're six husbands later like the woman at the well, and you're still thirsty in your spirit. You're still supernaturally thirsty, and you're wondering why. The truth is, you've been applying a remedy that doesn't make sense or, or, or even have anything to do with your problem. See, you have a God-sized issue, and you're trying to fill it with a girlfriend. That doesn't make sense. But what I want to tell you tonight is relationships aren't bad. I'm not telling you to jump out of it or to jump in or, or to do I'm not telling you to do anything. What I want to give you tonight simply is why, is why. And quickly, I want to give you three questions. Because I don't, I don't want you to leave here bawling or, or, or super upset or emotional. What I want you to leave here is informed. That's the truth. I got three questions, and I want you to write these down because I believe that these are going to set the building blocks for this series, and it's going to help you as you understand and answer this question of why do I date? Why do I date? First question is this. First question is this. I want everybody to write this down. Say, why am I in the relationship I'm in? Ask yourself that question. Self-assessments are the hardest for me. And I, I'm sure they're going to be hard for you, but, but answer that question truthfully, brutally honest. And don't, here's the mistake. Don't answer it with your boyfriend, okay? Like, answer it by yourself. Ask yourself these questions. This is a self-assessment, not a couple assessment. Now, if you're married, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Just, this is a different class. Sorry. But if you're dating or you're not in a relationship, why am I in the relationship that, I, I, that I'm in? Question number two. Going into a relationship, what are my motives or my intentions? Be honest with yourself. What are my motives, motives and my, or, or my intentions as I walk into this specific relationship? Because, guys, we know your reasons, okay? Don't even play. Girls, who knows? Y'all's minds are crazy. Y'all, wow. You know? um, <laughs> but ask yourself, why am I really jumping into this relationship? 
Why am I really jumping into this relationship? Number three, what do I believe? What do I believe is the sole purpose of a romantic relationship to be? What do I believe is the sole purpose of a romantic relationship to be? Because let me go ahead and dispel some rumors. If you're a believer and you think that relationships are meant to to make you happy or to bring you happiness, you're wrong. Relationships aren't, aren't designed and built to make you happy. They're to make you better. But here's the truth. You can't start. You can't start a relationship with a person until your relationship with God is right. I didn't say perfect. Notice I didn't say perfect. But the only way you quench that supernatural thirst is if you fill it with what Jesus said in verse 14, living water. Living water. See, what we're doing in a relationship is we have this thirst and we're, we're like, I need something. I need something. I got to fill it with something. And we keep drinking the water that's going to make us thirsty in 30 minutes. We're, and we just keep pounding back like more water is going to help. Another boyfriend's going to help. Another relationship's going to help. More sex is going to help. Another this is going to help. Another this is going to help. And it doesn't. And every time at the end of our relationships, we're left empty and we keep asking why. It's because only living water can quench the thirst that you have. A boy never will. A boy never will. And if you answer these questions and, 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 the, and the answers scare you, here's the truth. Maybe you should be in a relationship right now. Maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship right now. Because here's the other part of it. Unless you're married, you can't get right with God while you're getting right with your boyfriend. It doesn't work like that. I remember... Well, I can't, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I was living in Nashville, and I was, I was uh, the youth pastor at this, at this youth group. And one of the guys came up to me. He was one of my leaders, and, and he just broke down crying. Jared, I'm ha- he told me that he's having sex with his girlfriend, whatever, whatever. And he said, I know what I have to do. I know what I have to do. I was like, what is it, buddy? He was like, I got I to gotta fast from having sex with my girlfriend. That's <laughs> like I said, I got to fast from drugs, you know what I'm saying? Or just stop doing it, you <laughs> know? But we get into that place where, where, where we're like, you know what? To fix it, I'm gonna stay in. I'm gonna stay in the dysfunction. I'm gonna stay in this dysfunction while I try to get functional again. That doesn't make sense. So, so what I'm trying to help you do, I, and listen, listen. I'm not trying to beat you down or tell you you're not great at what you're doing or or that your boyfriend or your girlfriend is not the right one for you. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to tell you is that you're spending so much time on on a relationship that's on earth and that's probably gonna end when you need to get your eternal relationship with God right first. That's it. So tonight, not super emotional, and I expected it. I was like, nobody's going to hoop and holler tonight because this one's going to hit him in the chest. That's okay because the truth is, I got I to be real to this, and I want you guys to grow. I want you guys to be lifted up, and the only way that happens is if you hear the truth and you respond accordingly. The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. So tonight, I don't know where you're at. It may not even, you may not even be in a relationship, but you know you haven't quenched that longing. Because here's the truth. If, if you're single and all you can think about is being in a relationship with somebody else, guess what? You haven't got your relationship with God yet because you're still longing for something. If all you want is to be next to that dude or all you want is to pick up the next girl, let me be honest and let me be real with you. You have not gotten your relationship with God right. Because the truth is, 
and, and this is kind of going forward in my series. I'm okay with that. But we're calling it Still Looking. But the truth is, uh, the, it should be called Stop Looking. Because God does something when you get your relationship with him right, he seems to bring somebody else along. You don't even know. You don't even know where they came from. You're like, I didn't even know you lived. I didn't even know people like you lived in Mobile. Like, what happened? You're blown away. But if all you can think about is that next boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm telling you, you're thirsty. You are. Supernaturally, though. Supernaturally. And God is saying tonight, man, you don't have to have another boyfriend or a girlfriend. You don't have to have another relationship. I can make you whole just like you are. He can make you whole just like you are. And let me be real, as somebody who got whole first and then found their wife, marriage is so much better. Marriage is so much better when you don't already start with a deficit. Here's the truth. Even if you just want to take the Bible out of it and just get logic right, why would you want to jump in a relationship with somebody who's still getting themselves right? So now you're going to have to get a relationship right, you right, and them right. That's not right. Coming from the experience of somebody who's done it before, listen, get your relationship with God right. And when that happens, that relationship that's going to come alongside of you, it's beautiful. That's the one you're waiting for. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And keys, you can go ahead and come out. I want to ask you something because tonight I, I, I understood that it wasn't this huge emotional call. And I know that there's a lot of people who may be in a place where they need to make some hardcore decisions, and I'm okay with that. But I got to be honest, I don't know what you're dealing with or, or where you're at, but if something that mo message spoke to you and you're in a place where you're saying, you know what, uh, my spiritual life is not right. As a matter of fact, I don't even have one. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I feel that intense longing and I'm tired of feeling it with everything else and I want to fill it with, with something that's going to sustain. If that's you and you've never given your life to Jesus, no pressure. I just want to know if anybody in this room wants to give their life to Jesus tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity. All you have to do right now is raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. You don't have to say that, but if you want to raise your hand, we'd love to have you. Amen. And listen, if you're in this place and you're ready to make a decision and you're willing to kind of take that leap of faith and say, you know what, I got to make some drastic decisions tonight about where I'm going, where I'm headed, but also the person that I'm headed in that direction with. I just want to pray for you tonight. I want to pray for you because you got some questions to answer when you get home. And if you're real about your marriage, if you're real about really doing this relationship thing right, you'll answer those questions truthfully. So I just want to pray over what God is going to do through you guys. Jesus, I thank you so much for this group of young people. And I ask you in this moment, God, that you begin to work on their hearts. You begin to, to develop them. And, and honestly, God, I just pray a spirit of courage a spirit of courage in every single person in this room to look at their heart and to be real and honest with themselves and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I in the relationship? That I'm in? Why do I want a relationship so bad? What is it in me that desires to be with someone else? Should that desire be placed on a God who's eternal? I just pray and believe courage over every single person in this place 
tonight, Jesus. And I ask God that as you're moving, as you're moving, touch every single heart. Touch every single heart. Because where the word is preached, transformation can't help but to be there. God, we love you. And we thank you for who you are, for what you've done in this place tonight. And everybody said, amen. Go ahead and stand up real quick.